and welcome to another teaching from 119 Ministries. Our ministry believes that the whole Bible is still true and directly related to our lives today. If you would like to know more about what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. Shalom. We are going to play a video that has been receiving a lot of attention in the media lately. The video attacks our Creator's Torah in an attempt to portray God's commandments as ridiculous, and thus God's instruction against practicing homosexual sins must be ridiculous as well. So let's have a look. I like your show. I like how you call homosexuality an abomination. I don't say homosexuality is an abomination, Mr. President. The Bible does. Yes, it does. Leviticus. 18.22. Chapter and verse. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions while I had you here. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery as sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? While thinking about that, can I ask another? My chief of staff, Leo McGarry, insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.2 clearly says he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him myself, or is it okay to call the police? Here's one that's really important, because we've got a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean, Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Does the whole town really have to be together to stone my brother John for planting different crops side by side? Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? Think about those questions, would you? This is what is called a straw man argument. In this case, it is a series of straw man arguments. It is a tactic used by a debater in which the opposing side's position is misrepresented either intentionally or out of ignorance thus causing the opposing side's position to appear weak or unsound. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, as sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? The president in the video wants to portray Hebrew servanthood as something comparable to the horrific examples of slavery found in U.S. history. Hebrew slavery was more comparable to welfare with a work requirement as opposed to the abusive colonial Atlantic slave trade. God expects able-bodied persons to work for a living. That should be considered a fair requirement by our Creator. A society cannot sustainably function if able-bodied persons do not work but expect eternal compensation. The predetermined social contracts for servanthood are a means for persons with limited means to provide for themselves and their families and reestablish themselves financially. It affords several rights, 
protection from abuse, protection from rape, fair wages, asylum if escaped from an abusive master, equal representation in the courts, food, clothing, and shelter. The alternative is to succumb to a standard of living of extreme poverty and all the suffering that comes along with it. God expects people to work for a living, and there are mechanisms built into God's instructions to allow for a means for contractual servanthood that is fair for all parties. My chief of staff, Leo McGarry, insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.2 clearly says he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him myself, or is it okay to call the police? Certain commandments in Scripture are determined to be so important to our Creator that capital punishment is reserved for those who refuse to obey it. That sounds absurd to some, but to those who know and love Yahweh understand the value of His commandments and reasoning for them. But to answer His question, He is not permitted to act on the capital punishment, nor are the police. It requires a Torah-based judicial system and government to offer a fair trial, which is detailed in the Torah. For more on the capital punishment commandments, we recommend our teaching, Should We Stone Our Children? Here's one that's really important, because we've got a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean, Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Okay, first of all, it is actually Leviticus chapter 5 that discusses not touching something dead, lest one become unclean. Leviticus 11, on the other hand, describes what is and is not food. But we will ignore that error by the president and proceed. The status of being unclean is not a sin. Being unclean is a temporary status, and that status dictated what one was permitted to do or not do while being unclean. So that is another error the president made in this video. For example, while a person is unclean, they are not permitted to enter the temple. It is doubtful that the football players care whether or not they are clean or unclean, as they likely do not expect to be entering the temple anytime soon, since one does not currently exist. Even further still, a football is not considered a carcass. A carcass is a dead animal, as opposed to dried skin. For example, John the Baptist wore a clothing of camel hair, which is from an unclean animal. This would be no different than touching a football. Neither makes a person unclean. Does the whole town really have to be together to stone my brother John for planting different crops side by side? This is quite an embarrassing error by the president in this video. There is no capital punishment commandment attached to the breaking of Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 9. This seemingly impractical physical commandment teaches us the value of not mixing seeds, which metaphorically represents not mixing the pure instructions of our Creator, the Torah, with the ways of the world. Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? Think about those questions, would you? Okay, this is the most embarrassing and emotionally loaded air in the whole presentation which is why it was likely saved for last. There is no capital punishment commandment attached to breaking Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 11. Like Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 9, this physical commandment teaches a spiritual understanding that we should clothe ourselves with only the Word of God and not with also the ways of the world. For more on this, please see our teaching, Wool and Linen.
Straw man tactics, like those presented in this video, make a strong impression with those who do not believe the Word of God to be true and applicable. There is no interest in searching out truth and understanding their reasoning behind each and every commandment. Psalm 53, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Proverbs 18, a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We hope this message has blessed you, and remember, continue to test everything. Shalom. The Apostle Paul, a proclaimed Pharisee turned champion of the faith, writing 13 letters which would later become the pillars of Christian doctrine. Millions today use Paul to teach the changing of the law of God, despite the fact that other scriptures declare something quite contrary to the common interpretations of his writings. King David tells us that the law of God is freedom. But many believe Paul said the law of God is slavery. But Paul also said that we should follow the law of God. And he said that he delights in the law of God. But he also said that we are not under the law. This may be completely new to you. You may have never considered any of this. Welcome to The Pauline Paradox, a modern theological reality in which many turn a blind eye. We confront this paradox head-on and seek, once and for all, to understand the true Hebraic context in which his words were originally authored, to bring reconciliation to his words, regardless of the depth of this challenge. We discover that Paul stated that he followed the whole law of God and even taught the law of God. We show how Peter, a person who knew Paul better than any today, warned us of how Paul's writings regarding the law were difficult to understand and how his words are misunderstood easily. If one did not know the Old Testament well enough even 2,000 years ago, Peter warned that misunderstanding Paul would cause one to break the law of God in ignorance. We find that even in the first century, Paul was constantly falsely accused of not keeping the law of God. We even see James defending Paul, proving that Paul kept and taught the law of God. This is all in the Bible. One of the keys to unlocking the context of Paul's letters is to have a proper understanding of the debates of the first century. In this series, we will cross-reference several passages to reveal the ongoing dialogue which occurred between the parties involved. We show how Paul was constantly accused of not teaching the whole law of God, and when he was confronted with such accusations, he always claimed to follow and teach the whole law of God even to the point of paying for sacrifices at the temple to prove such accusations to be false. Does this all sound too crazy to be true? We implore you to test everything, to challenge your faith and seek truth, not tradition. The first teaching in the Pauline Paradox series is titled, Is the Majority Ever Wrong? We address the first mental barrier, which is a misplaced confidence in the self-professed doctrinal experts who claim to understand Paul's words. 
Then, in the teaching, the Paul you never knew, we reveal words of Paul that many never see. The real Paul, the Paul that kept and taught the whole law of God. Following that, we detail in the teaching, why is Paul so difficult to understand? The root cause of why so many misunderstand Paul. This then leads us into the teaching, which law Paul? which to the surprise of many, exposes the fact that Paul was not always just talking about the law of God when he spoke of the law. In fact, Paul mentions at least seven laws. The law of God, the law of sin, the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life, the law of faith, the law of righteousness, the law of Christ. What are all these laws and how do they relate to one another? More importantly, how does it help us understand Paul's letters in respect to the law of God to help us avoid the error of the lawless that Peter warns us about in reading Paul's letters? It is in that that we then, verse by verse, dive deep into Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, and more to solve and reconcile the Pauline paradox once and for all. We make it available to you in one series so you can test all of this yourself to the unchanging Word of God. For more free information, including these free video teachings, please visit us at testeverything.net. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.